So he makes a statement here, I will put my spirit within you and I'll place you into your own land. See, God said, I'm, this is what I'm going to do. See, during the tribulation period when the Antichrist comes on the scene, he's a bad man. And he, he lies to the world. He lies to Israel. They signed a peace treaty. And after three and a half years, they break that peace treaty and then turn against Israel. And this is where the beast throws off the woman and tries to devour her. And the Bible says that they will go into a place, I believe where it's in Jordan. But that's another message for another time. But look in verse 16. He says, Moreover, thou son of man, take thee one stick and write upon it for Judah, for the children of Israel, his companion. Then take another stick and write upon it for Joseph. And he says, I'm going to take and make these two sticks one. I'm going to take the ten tribes and the southern two tribes, and I'm going to make it all one again. And this is what I'm going to see. God's going to do all of this. I got a hunch somewhere down the road, they're going to be able to find that they can prove what tribe a man is from by the DNA. Because I know and I believe that only certain ones that are of the tribe of Levi can administer in the temple. And because of that, they've got to know who is and who isn't. And after 2,000 years, you know, people can interbreed and all kinds of stuff. You don't know what's going on. But I bet you they're going to be able to prove which tribe, not just the Israelites, but what tribe they're from. You say, well, that'll never happen. Okay, well, I'll be wrong on that one then. But I want you to see this. In verse 19, he says, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will take the stick of Joseph, which is the hand of Ephraim, the tribes of Israel, his fellows. And he says in the last part of that verse, And make them one stick, and they shall be one in my hand. Verse 21, And say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen, whether they be gone, and bring them into their own land. Remember, this was written all over 500 years before Christ came the first time. So, you tell me, what other nation has ever had this happen to them? Where they've been scattered upon the face of the earth, and after over 2,000 years, they become established as a nation again. There isn't one other nation that's ever had that happen to them. How can you say that the Bible is not true? Anybody with a brain and can read can see this. Unless they're willingly ignorant of truth. Don't want to know. Mine's made up. But look there in verse 22. And I will make them, get this, one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be king to them all. And these shall be no more two nations, neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms any more at all. So this is going past the time of Christ. Because, see, they were divided. But this has never happened because Israel has never had another king. You see, when the temple was destroyed, see, nobody can claim the throne of Israel. Because they have to prove they're of the line of David, of the tribe of Judah. They have to prove all. And they, are, they, they can't prove it. And the last one that could claim the throne of Israel was Jesus Christ. And he was crucified. And he had no offspring. So there is nobody else ever that can ever claim to be the king in Israel. Unless the one they kill comes back from the dead and shows up again. You know, I bet that's going to happen. I have this feeling. But look what he says here. 
I'm going to bring them back. And you'll see that in verse 23, I will. The last part of verse 23, I will. And down in verse 24, look what he says. And this shows you that he's talking about in the future. And David, my servant, shall be king over them. Now, he's already been dead 500 years when this was written. But now that was 2,500 years ago when this was written. And it says David is going to come and David is going to rule. In Jerusalem. And get what else he says. And they all shall have one shepherd. They shall also walk in my judgment, observe my statute, and do them. Israel, in the future, one day is going to do everything God wanted them to do. But they have become so rebellious. So God had to chasten them. But they're still his people. And then he makes a statement down here in verse 25. And they shall dwell in the land that I have given unto Jacob... My servant, wherein your fathers have dwelt, and they shall dwell therein, even they and their children and their children's children, uh, for how long? Forever, and they'll never be taken out again. You see, there's people that are always trying to claim the land over there in Israel. God says, the earth is mine. This land belongs to me. The cattle on the thousand hill, that's mine. The gold and the silver, it all belongs to God. Because when we leave, it's still here, and it's still his. And he says, I'm giving this land to Israel. And God says, not depart his land. Israel is making a big mistake thinking they can appease their enemies by giving them land. It can't happen. There is no peace. When they talk about peace, they're talking about, I want a piece of this one, a piece of this one, a piece of that one. They don't even want a piece of it. They want the whole thing. Now look in verse 26. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them. And I will place them in their land. This is what I'm going to do. In verse 27, and I will be their God. And then in verse 28, he says, and when my sanctuary shall be in the midst of them forevermore. So God said, this is what I'm going to do, and it's going to last forever. So we know that in the days ahead, there's going to be a temple built. It's going to be destroyed again. Bad days ahead for Israel. And this is what God says he's going to do. You see, to get God's people ready to wake up, God's going to get a tuba for it and hit them on the head with it. Look at the tuba for he's planning on using. Chapter 38. In verse 2, Son of man, set thy face against Gog. This is the prince. Of the land of Magog. That's the land. The chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. Many believe to be Moscow and Tubal. He said, and prophesy against them. This is a war that has not happened. This is a war that's in the future. See, God tells you what I'm going to do. And then he tells you what he's done. And then he tells you uh, as a, a recap of what he's, he planned and what he did. And it's, it's all there. But God says, because we're hard-headed and stiff-knit, he said, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen before it takes place. So that when it happens, you'll know, I told you so. This is in the future. What you're seeing here in chapter 38 has never taken place. But look at it. He says, this is what I'm going to do. I am going to, in verse 4, and I'm going to turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws. I will bring thee forth, and all thine army, uh, horses and horsemen, so I am going to, God said, I'm going to put hooks in your jaws. And I'm going to pull you down here against my people Israel. So that means they've got to be back in the land, which they are now. But you see, they're not right. God has to get his people right. 
And they haven't trusted him yet. So when God gets through taking these nations and using them as a rod to chasten his people, after a while, Israel is going to realize it's God or we're dead. It's either we turn to the Lord or we're dead. And God said if he does not intervene, no flesh will be left alive. And get this. He says here in verse 5, look in verse 5. Now here's a few of the nations that are going to be on the side of Russia. People say, well, we don't have to worry about Russia anymore. Wrong. It ain't over yet. You don't trust the bear. I wouldn't trust the bear. In verse 5, Persia, which is Iraq and Iran. Isn't it wonderful that we have kind of helped Iraq get back on its feet? Iraq and Iran together. They're going to be together. And one of our biggest worries in this world at this present time is Iran. Well, they're going to be part of this. And look what else he says. Ethiopia, which is down in Africa. And what's that other word? Libya. Libya. We're also helping them. I think we might be doing something wrong. We may be helping to bring about the very thing. We are defending the people that want to destroy us. There's something wrong with this plan. Ezekiel 38 and verse 5. And then in verse 6 he says, And Gomer, which we believe is, could be Germany, but not necessarily, and all of his bands, and the house of Togomar, which many believe is Turkey or Syria. And it's talked about they're coming and he says, prepare thyself. In other words, God is building up these nations and allowing them because God's going to use them as a rod to accomplish his purpose in the last days. And then he says in verse 8, after many days thou shalt be visited. In the latter years thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel. So God says, I am the one that's going to bring down Put the hooks in your jaws, and I'm bringing you down against my people. And with him, and there's his allies. And most of these, isn't this interesting, after 2,500 years, these are some of the same ones that all think the same way today. And some of these Arab countries have been outfitted, supported militarily by Russia. Say, no, 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 yeah, you check the equipment they're using, the tanks that they have. And most of the army that they have, it came from Russia. But anyway... Just moving right along here. And he says in the last part of verse 8, And against the mountains of Israel, in verse 9, And they shall ascend and come like a storm, a cloud to cover the land. And uh, see, this is uh, toward the end of a time when it seems like there must have been a, a treaty made with Israel. And Israel has kind of let down its guard a little bit because they have believed some lies. You see, I believe that Israel might think that the head of this last world government is their Messiah they have been waiting for. Because Israel is looking for, and many people I've talked to over there, not all of them, no, but they're looking for their Messiah. But I asked one of them one day, I sat down in the lobby, and I was talking to one person that says they believe that the Messiah is yet to come. I said, well, if he's yet to come, how are you going to recognize him? We'll know. We'll know. I tried to show him some prophecies about Christ. He said, that's, that's talking about Christ. We don't believe in him. But our Messiah is coming. And they're going to believe that they've got the Messiah. They've got their peace. And Israel is going to prosper. 
But the first three and a half years, see, is deceptive. And then, boom, everything turns loose. And the world tries to annihilate Israel. And God is going to take and bring his people down, the ones that he's talking about here, in order to chasten. And it mentions all these things down through here, but look there in uh, verse 14. Verse 14. Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say unto Gog, Thus saith the Lord, And that day when my people of Israel dwelleth safely, shall they not know it? And thou shalt come from thy place out of the north part, thou and many people with thee. So they're coming down from the north. And so here's Israel, and there's Moscow and Tobolsk. It's from the north. There you're talking about Russia, I believe. And it's also got these other nations, Ethiopia, it's got Libya and Iraq, Iran. It's got all these nations, just like they're lining up today. The world is beginning to choose sides. America don't have many people on our side, do we? Do you realize what could happen to us if Russia, China, Iran, all of them, and North Korea all decided to take on America at the same time? Do you realize that we're getting a little bit of our military here, and we've got some over here, we got some over here, we got some over here, and we got some over here? Hey, who's guarding home? Yeah, I better move on. <laughs> Look in verse 16. And thou shalt come up against my people of Israel as a cloud to cover the land. It shall be in the latter days, and I will bring thee against my land. And the heathen may know, that the heathen may know me when I shall be sanctified in thee. See, it's a continuation of the, the last verse there in chapter 37 when God says they'll, they'll know who I am. But see, God has to get things right, and God got a plan. He tells them what I'm going to do. Now he's telling them how he's going to do it, and here's the big club I'm going to use to knock you over the head with and Israel has got to wake up and God has got to going to do a work on his people and he says there in verse 17 thus saith the Lord God art thou he of whom I have spoken in time by my prophets of Israel which prophesied in those days many years that I would bring thee against them and so look there in Ezekiel chapter 38 and look there in verse 19 surely in that day there shall be a great shaking in the land of Israel. Now, many times when you go to the book of Revelation in chapter 6 on, it will describe many things that's going to happen upon the earth. About the whole earth shaking, reeling back and forth like a drunk man. Uh, talking about the, the stars and so forth and the sun you can't see and the, the moon and so on, turning to blood. All these things that's going to take place. Well, look what he says here in verse 20. The fishes of the sea, the fowl of the heavens, and the beast of the field, and all creeping things that creep upon the earth, and all the men that are upon the face of the earth shall shake at my presence, and get the, and the mountains shall be thrown down. The steep places shall fall. Every wall shall fall to the ground. God describes great earthquakes in the last days. It's going to get bad. What happened in Japan? Piece of cake. It's only a, like a forerunner. It's just uh, getting our attention of what God says is coming upon this earth. Where he says, every island, every mountain will be shaken. Everything in the ocean is going to die. Future don't look too great when you start putting it together like that. But you've got to look beyond that. Now when the Lord rules. Because you see, it won't last long. Because God says, I'm going to do something. You see there in verse 22, And I will plead against him with pestilence and with blood. I will rain upon him and upon his bands and upon the many people that are with him an overflowing rain and great hailstone, fire and brimstone. And God says, this is what I'm going to do. 
You see, God's going to bring them down against the mountains of Israel. And then while they're there, God's going to zap them. And you can read some of this in the 16th chapter of the book of Revelation. But look what he says there in chapter 39. Sometimes it is difficult. And many Bible scholars have trouble trying to decide at what part of the seven years does this take place. Well, as you read this and study it, it seems like it to me. And I, I can be wrong on this. There's a false peace. And then there's the Antichrist. And then he's talking about this judgment where God is going to have them turn against the nation of Israel. And then he makes this statement concerning Gog and Magog. In verse 1, Therefore the Son of Man prophesy against Gog, the prince, and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. I will turn thee back and leave but the sixth part of thee. Will cause thee to come up from the north parts and will bring thee upon the mountains of Israel. And now this has not yet happened. This is a war that's yet in the future. And verse 4, thou shalt fall upon the mountains of Israel. So we know who's going to lose. Russia and all of them coming against them. And he's talking about from Ethiopia, from Africa. You're talking about the Libya. You're talking about Iraq and Iran. All these nations are going to come and come against Israel. And it appears that they will all be under the banner of Russia. May not be. I can be wrong on some of this. But he says here in the last part of verse 4, And the people that is with thee, and I will give unto them the ravenous beasts of every sort, and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. They shall fall. And then in verse 6, And I will send a fire on Magog, and among them that dwell carelessly in the isles, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Now as you read down through here, you'll find there's a phrase mentioned over and over and over again. That they shall know the Lord, that they shall know the Lord, that they shall know the Lord. God does what he does so that people will know who God is. To know the Lord. That's why you and I, the most important thing we ever ask somebody is, do you know the Lord? Do you know Christ as your Savior? Do you know where you're going when you die? Well, God says there's a time coming when no man will have to ask anybody, do you know the Lord? Do you know the Lord? Because everybody will know the Lord. Wouldn't that be a wonderful time? But that day is coming. And so he says there in the last part of verse 23 of chapter 38, he says uh, that they may know that I am the Lord. That they may know that I am the Lord. This is what it's all about, that they may know that I am the Lord. Look there in uh, verse 17 of chapter 39. And you'll notice that it's like reading the book of Revelation in, Matthew, in Revelation chapter 19, where he says, And thou son of man, speak unto every feathered fowl, to every beast of the field, assemble yourselves and come, gather yourselves on every side to my sacrifice that I do sacrifice for you, even a great sacrifice unto the mountains of Israel, that you may eat the flesh and drink the blood. And ye shall eat the flesh of the mighty and the drink the blood of the princes of the earth and of rams and of lambs and of goats and bullocks and of the fatlings of basin. And ye shall eat fat till ye be full and drink blood till ye be drunken. Oh, my sacrifice. Of my sacrifice, which I have sacrificed for you. Uh, that's almost like reading the 19th chapter when Christ comes back at the end and it makes the statement that whenever Jesus Christ comes back, the sign of his coming in Matthew 24, and then it says, Where the eagle is, there will the, uh, where the bodies is, there will the eagles be gathered together. It's mentioned in Luke chapter 17, and then in chapter 19 of the book of Revelation, it's talking about, and God will have all the birds come together, and all the fowls of the year, and they will eat the flesh of mighty men, and so forth. Uh, that's when Christ comes back in power and great glory. So is this when this takes place? It could be. 
All of it has to tie together. If it doesn't, it happens again. But I do believe this is what's ahead of us. And that God is going to use the nations of the world to accomplish his purpose. And how come, and maybe God uses um, maybe America and some of the other countries to stop them. Or maybe God just comes back and zaps them. But it says it's because of fire from out of heaven. Now, is that because of nuclear power? I don't know. I don't know. I don't care. I don't care about the little details. God can take care of all of that. But he says this is coming. Now, look there in verse 22. So the house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord, their God, from that day forward. And get this, and the heathen shall know. Because see, they will know that they couldn't stop Christ's coming and his deliverance of Israel and the nations of the earth, especially at the Battle of Armageddon, they're all going to be dead. And yet the believers in the various nations, he said, I'll separate the sheep, the saved, from the goats, the lost. And the saved of the nations will go into the millennium. And it says, and the saved of these nations, they're going to worship the Lord. And they'll go to Jerusalem and to worship. Read the last chapter in the book of Zechariah. And it talks about that, his holiness and all. And he says here in verse 23, And the heathen shall know that the Lord, or house of Israel, went into captivity for their iniquity, because they transgressed against me. Therefore hid I my face from them, and gave them unto the hands of their enemies. So fell they all by the sword. So God says, this is what I'm going to do. Verse 25 talks about the whole house of Israel will begin to be jealous again for the holy name. Verse 27, when I have brought them again from the people and gathered them out of their enemies' lands. See, that was done once before, and it's going to be done again. And verse 28, then shall they know that I am the Lord their God, which caused them to be led into captivity, caused them to be led in captivity among the heathen. But I have gathered them unto their own land and have left none of them anymore there. Neither will I hide my face anymore from them. For I have poured out my spirit upon the house of Israel. And this is according to the book of Romans in chapter 11 where he says, And the deliverer will come out of Zion and he will save his people. He will save the saved. I hope that makes a little sense to you as you maybe get your morning paper and you listen to um, those uh, commentators at night. I wish that they all knew the Bible and could tell you now, this is what God said. This is what God said. You see, most of them are simply some good men, but they have secular minds. They're not spiritual. They don't know the Lord. And therefore, they don't know the Scripture and how it all comes together. So I get excited just thinking about it. Look up here. I talked about being saved. If you've never understood what that means, well, let me show you. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. Now, we all have sin on us. All of us, just like Israel, we all do things wrong. We all sin. But understand this. God loves you. He loves me. But he hates what we do wrong. And to pay for the sin is death and hell. Since every man sins, every man's condemned. So the Bible says the whole world is guilty before God. We're all in the same boat. Every man needs a Savior. So Christ came to save every man. And God says you cannot earn your way to heaven. You can't work your way to heaven by your good deeds. 
God says you have to be perfect to go to heaven, and none of us are perfect. We've all come short of God's perfection. So since a man can't save himself, how can he be saved? This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord, God in the flesh. He came into this world 2,000 years ago, lived a perfect life. He was God's son. He'd never done anything wrong, never sinned. He didn't have to die. But because he loved us, the Bible says that he took all of our sins that separate us and took them on himself and paid for it. He didn't, we didn't help him. We didn't both die for our sins. He took all of our sins and by himself purged our sins, paid for our sins. Came back from the dead and God said if we would believe he did it for us. He would put this payment to our account and we get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for us. It's a gift. It's totally free. The best news you'll ever hear. A man would be a fool to turn down a free gift. God so loved the world, that's you and me, that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever believe it. It's all we have to do. It's all we can do. If we'll believe he did it for us, that he took our sin, paid for them, and came back from the dead. If you'll believe he did it for you, then God said he would give to you as a free gift everlasting life, and you get to go to heaven on what he did for you. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Let's pray, shall we? If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you trust him right now? Would you just simply say something like this between you and the Lord? Lord, I don't understand it all, but I believe Christ died, paid for my sins, and I will trust him right now as my only hope of going to heaven. Friend, if you'll do that, God will save you, give you eternal life. And you can know when you get up to leave, you can say, I know I have eternal life. I know I'm going to heaven when I die. He did it for you. Would you believe it? If you're making that decision, I'd like to have prayer for you. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? I'm not going to have you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. But right where you're sitting, say, that made sense to me, and I want to be certain of going to heaven when I die. And, Pastor, would you pray for me? Just slip it up very quickly and put it right back down. Is anyone at all? You that know Christ as your Savior, now is the time to do the work of the Lord. Now is the time to reach people. There's coming a day in which no man can work. All opportunities will be gone. No more chances. Our Father, we thank you so much for this time together to study your word, and we pray, Lord, to be challenged and motivated because of it, to have confidence that your word is true, that you know what you're doing and you are in charge, that nobody has dethroned you or kicked you off of the throne. No, you're still there. And, Father, we just thank you so much for loving us and giving us a little knowledge so that we could, Father, know, know who's in charge, that we don't have to worry and be afraid and fret in this life. You've been good to us. We thank you for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.